And tonight we're going to walk through, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 9. We're going to, yeah, we're, get excited. We'll be in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at one of the most radical testimonies in the Bible. I mean, this is life change in Acts chapter 9. But let me go back to my first time guest. If you are a guest in the room, man, we do not want to overlook you, man. I, I mean, I encourage you. We got two ways for you to get connected. I, we got a table in the back. My team and other college students will be back there. Man, please fill out a guest card for us because, man, we want to get to know you. We want with name, number, and birthday if you want. We're not asking for social security or credit card number or anything like that. Just name, number. Because we want to text you. We want to follow up with you and hear how your night was tonight at The View. We want to help you get more connected. We've got things like Wednesday night life groups. There's Sunday morning life groups. We have hangouts throughout the week. There's so many ways to get connected at The View. Because as Jake said, godly community played an important role in his life as a freshman in college. I know there's many freshmen in here tonight. There's many seniors and juniors in here tonight. And man, we do campus ministry every Monday. And it, it just, it blows me away of the amount of juniors and seniors we talk to. And they say, man, I don't have godly community. And they've been on their college campuses for two, three, four years. But if you're a senior, wherever you are, and it doesn't matter, you can find godly community tonight. And we would love to help you get connected to the view. Does that make sense? Y'all want to get connected? Man, help somebody get connected tonight. But tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, and we've been working through this series, I Am the Light series. And, man, just to recap it, we, we've covered a lot. Daniel and I, man, we have covered so much through this I Am the Light series. The first week we talked about how Jesus is the light of the world. And uh, Coach, he walked us through John chapter 8. And then the following week we see Jesus calls us the light of the world. And that comes out of Matthew chapter 5. And then we took, we took some time on anxiety. You know, there's college students that struggle with anxiety. And we talked about that for two whole weeks and how I love you, man, your treasure. What is your treasure in? Because if your treasure is not in Jesus, man, as Alan just, as we said, man, you are good. If your treasure is not in Jesus, you won't know what good is because Jesus is the example of good. But then we went on to two weeks of evangelism. Daniel took Acts 16, and then I preached out of Acts 17 the following week, and we walked through what it looks like to share the gospel. Man, do you know how to share the gospel? And I'll go back to it. If you have questions about sharing the gospel, man, come find our team tonight. We would love to talk to you about what it looks like to share the gospel, especially on college campuses. And this is the invitation to y'all, campus ministry. Every Monday, 11 to 1, we're in front of the UC. We're inviting people to the view, but more importantly, man, we're sharing Jesus with college students. And the crazy thing is, we see college students get saved on our college campuses. That is exciting. Yeah, make noise for that. College students' lives are being changed because other college students are sharing Jesus with them. A college student-led revival. And it starts with you. It starts with you in your personal prayer closet. Are you praying for revival to happen in your heart? And then it spreads like a wildfire. Man, so come, come share Jesus with us on Mondays um, from 11 to 1. But then Daniel, last week, he talked about what Stephen died for. He took Acts 6 and 7, and man, he covered What's, man, literally what Stephen died for, and that was for the gospel. And tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 9, and coming off of that, the title of our message tonight is What Saul Lived For. We saw what Stephen died for, but tonight we're going to see what Saul lived for, because what's crazy is Saul lived for two things. We're going to see what Saul lived for. In our first couple verses, verses 1 through 9, we're going to see how he lived for the world and how his mindset was just on putting Christians away, putting Christians in prison. But then he comes to know Jesus has his radical life change, and then he starts to live for Jesus, and it changes his life. And I want to ask you a question, college students. I'm going to preach God's word tonight, but I'm going to ask a lot of questions tonight. Have you came to know Jesus? Have you repented of your sins? Have you believed in Jesus? And have you given your life to Jesus? Because let me tell you something. When you experience Jesus, you experience life change. There's no, I say it all the time. I'm going to keep saying it until, until you get it, until you understand it, until you respond to it. Nothing is good enough in this world to keep you from having a relationship with Jesus. So our title tonight is What Saul Lived For. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give you the sermon in a sentence on the front end. And it's this right here. How we live our life will show if we have the light of life. How we live our life will show if we have the light of life. And that comes from John 8, verse 12, what uh, Daniel spoke on at the beginning of this series. Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
And tonight we're going to talk about Saul's testimony and how that affected people around him. Man, Saul's testimony was radical. It was crazy. He went from killing Christians to leading people to the Lord to writing more than half of the New Testament. Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and Paul encountered life change. And I'm going to try to say Saul all night so we don't get confused. It's the same person, but we're using the name of Saul tonight in Acts 9 because he hasn't been converted to Paul. Um, but my challenge for us tonight is this right here. Don't just tell people about G- how Jesus changed your life, but we have to show people how Jesus changed our life. Don't just talk about it. As Christians, we got to be about it. That's what the world's looking for. A lot of people talk about Jesus, but they don't show them G- Jesus in their daily actions. We have to walk with the Lord because if we're walking with the Lord, we'll walk like the Lord. But if you're not walking with Jesus, you're not going to know how to walk like he did. Spending time in God's word, spending time in prayer, memorizing scripture, getting in godly community, getting around people that are chasing after Jesus. Because you're, you're going to become like um, the people you surround yourself with. I've seen it time and time again because I was there. I was there before I started living with Jesus. I was like the people I was surrounded with. But when I, when I got on fire for Jesus, this makes me think of a time in 2018. This is when I, really, this is when I went all in for the Lord, a big, big part of my testimony. I got saved in 2017, and I struggled with sin for the rest of 2017 because I didn't have godly community. But then in January of 2018, I got all in for the Lord. I remember giving it all to him. I said, God, I'm done with my sinful ways. I'm ready to, I'm ready to be all in for you. I mean, I learned how to read my Bible. I learned how to pray. I had older guys that were chasing after Jesus pour into me. And I mean, I fell madly in love with Jesus. And as soon as I fell in love with Jesus, my heart, it, he, it turned, the Lord turned it to these two guys that I was close with in high school. I played high school football with a bunch of guys, um, but I had two best friends on uh, my high school football team. And even my first two years, we all three went to Southwest and I had, the, I had the opportunity to stay pretty close with them. And then we all went our separate ways with transferring and things like that. And I remember when I got all in for Jesus, I started inviting these guys to The View every single week, every single week. And I mean, you know how it is inviting people to The View. Oh, man, I'm busy. I had somebody tell me, man, I got something going on tonight. He didn't look at me in the eye. Let me see your calendar, bro. Can I see what's on your calendar tonight? Because I guarantee you a lot of college students, y'all don't use y'all's calendars as blank, man. Y'all just telling us that, man. Y'all, y'all, know how, y'all know how it is, man. Y'all know how it is, man. College students just fill in the blank. Oh, I got something to do. What, what's that something, man? Explain it to me. Because, man, the view's Monday night. That's what's the something you need to do. Um, but, man, I started, but I couldn't blame them, man, because here, I'm going to relate with y'all. Daniel Harris, my best friend, my boss now, my pastor, um, but my best friend first and foremost, he was that guy for me. He invited me to The View every single week. And I told this a long time ago. I used to worry at Texas Roadhouse. I used to pick up shifts on Monday night to say, man, I got work tonight. Man, so I'm, gu- I'm guilty of it. But man, I'll never, I'll never forget this right here. In 2018, one of my buddies that I was trying to get to come to The View, I was telling him about how God's changed my life. He came to The View at the end of... Uh, at the end of Daniel's sermon, it was crazy. He came to the end of the sermon. Daniel was in the invitation, sharing the gospel. And just as we do each and every week, man, if you want to talk about giving your life to Jesus, raise your hand. My buddy missed the whole sermon and he raised his hand. Missed the whole sermon and raised his hand. I was shook. I was like, bro, you don't even know what we preached about tonight. But man, he, and what was cool is, man, it was so cool to watch the Lord work this night. Um, he, Daniel was the one who actually got to counsel him. And uh, my, buddy, my buddy came up to me afterwards, and a coach came up to me afterwards, and he told me how the counseling session went, and he said this right here. I have seen how Dakota's life has changed, and I don't know what he has, but I want it. I don't know what he has, but I want it. And, man, Daniel that night, me that night as well, I got to tell him, I said, man, I have a relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God is what changed my life. Was Daniel a part of my testimony? Absolutely. But Daniel Harrison changed my life. Was the view a part of my testimony? Absolutely. But the view didn't change my life. Jesus Christ has changed my life. Amen. It, it, it can change yours too. I promise. The same God we, they served in Genesis all the way to Revelation is the same God we serve today. And he's been changing lives for years and years and years and years. And guess what he's going to keep doing? Changing lives for years and years to come. Amen. I guess I want to ask this question right here before we get into our text, college students. The way you live your life, does it show that there has been a change 
or does it show that you still live in chains to sin? Does your testimony show that there's been a change in your life or does it show that you still live in chains to sin? Because if your life shows that there's been a change, it's going to push people to Jesus. If people see the change in your life when you say, I've given my life to Jesus, they're going to desire that. But if your life shows that you're still living in the chains of sin, if it shows that you're still living the same way that you did before, it's going to push them to the world because you're no different. But Jesus can make you different. And we're going to see that in Acts chapter 9 tonight. Tonight we're going to look at how Jesus took, from, took Saul. Saul went from despising God to being devoted to God. And he can do the same thing with us tonight. Before we dive into the text, before I pray, I just want to ask this to you college students. Where are you at tonight? Because this, this is for the believer and this is for the non-believers in the room. Because there's some believers in this room that haven't been walking with the Lord recently. That feel far from God. But James chapter 4 says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. He'll draw near to you. Would you draw Christians in the room if you haven't been walking with the Lord? Would you come back to God tonight? And then for my non-believers in the room, what's stopping you from making the most loving decision, the best decision you can make tonight by giving your life to Jesus? But I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at a testimony that is radical, that was immediate, that was a thing that could only be explained by God. Does that sound good, college students? That sound good, college students? All right, come on, let's, let's pray and let's dive in the word. Heavenly Father, you're good, Lord. God, we thank you for you. And God, we thank you for Jesus, Lord. Thank you that we get to experience life change because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, Lord. I think about what Jake shared tonight, Lord, how, how he was one way before he knew Jesus. But then when he came to know you, God, you made him radically different, Lord. And I pray the same thing for the students in the room tonight, God. If there's somebody in here tonight that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that they would come to meet you tonight, Lord, that they would have an experience with the Son of God tonight, Lord, that they would repent of their sins, that they would believe in Jesus, God, and that they would pray to receive you into their heart tonight. And I pray for the Christians in the room tonight. There's some that may feel far from the Lord. They feel like, they feel like they're not hearing from you, God. They feel like they're not walking with you, Lord. I pray that they would ask for forgiveness as well, that, Lord, they would come back to you, Lord. And just like the prodigal son, God, you celebrate that, Lord. God, you celebrate the Christian coming back to you, Lord. So, God, I just pray life change would happen in this room tonight, Lord. God, would you come down and meet with us tonight, Lord? Move hearts, break chains, and change lives, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So look, look with me at Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 9. And this is, this is Saul's life before Christ right here. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Point number one out of Acts 9 tonight, college students, is this is Saul's life before Christ. This is Saul's life before Christ. And what's crazy is coming off of Acts 6 and 7, we know Paul was present at the martyr of Stephen. And we see how he responded to the martyr. Um, Daniel uh, touched on this very briefly in his sermon last week of how Saul was present at this martyr. As we worked through Acts 6 and 7, we saw how Stephen died. He died a brutal death for the gospel, being stoned because he followed Jesus, because he proclaimed Jesus. And this is what Acts 8 verse 1 says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. In verse 1 of chapter 9, we see that Saul is still bringing these threats. After witnessing something like that, he is still bringing these threats to believers all all across the city. And verse 3 of chapter 8 tells us how he was going about doing this. 
Going back to Acts 8.3, it says, Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. In verse 2 of our passage tonight, it tells us that Saul went to the high priest to request letters from him so that he could arrest anybody who belongs to the way in Damascus. So basically, Saul had authority to do what he was doing. Even the high priest gave him approval. Hey, go do that. But here's the thing about it. I want to I paint the picture where Saul is. I want to give you the location. Damascus was a city located about 150 miles north of Jerusalem in Syria. So meaning Saul was going a pretty far distance to go out of his way to do this. Saul was literally going out of his way to do this. And then we see Jesus, he's described as so that if they found, if they found them following the way, the Bible descri- uses um, that phrase right there, the way was an early name returning to Christianity because Jesus was the way. Or should I say Jesus is the way? Because that comes from John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way also represented the new life of believers as they followed the pattern of their Messiah. And so even through this persecution, even through all these things that were happening, Saul was trying to arrest all the Christians, trying to get them all in prison. What's crazy was Saul was scattering the Christians, but Saul didn't know it. He was scattering the gospel too. And we see that in Acts 1, verse 8. Look at this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Saul didn't even realize what he was doing. He thought he was getting rid of Christians, but what's crazy was he was spreading them out. And as he was doing that, he was spreading the gospel more. College students, when you face persecution, when, t- when it gets hard following Jesus, do you throw in the towel? Do you give up? Or do you keep going? Because this isn't in my notes right here. I think about practice. I was a high school basketball player and football player. I'll even go back to middle school when I was a little bit more round and a little way out of shape. I couldn't run up and down the court to save my life. But I knew when it got hard, I had to keep going because it benefited me. It made me better. When it gets hard following Jesus, do you dig in deeper and keep going or do you give up on Jesus? Do you say it's not worth it? Because here's the thing, and I I don't want to confuse y'all. It's not about being the best Christian. Oh, I'm a better Christian than that person. It's about being a faithful Christian. I heard when I gave my life to the Lord in 2017, the pastor at the camp said, there's no such thing as good and bad Christians. There's such thing as faithful and unfaithful Christians. Where are you tonight? And you might not be a Christian, but let me tell you something. Man, following Jesus, I'm going to say it over and over tonight, has changed my life. And there's many people in this room tonight that Jesus has changed their life. Praise God. I've never met somebody. I'll say this later on. I've never met somebody who gave their life to Jesus and said, Dakota, I regretted that decision. There's a lot of choices we make. There's a lot of things we do that we end up regretting. But giving your life to Jesus, that's not one of them. Again, it's far, 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 far from, it won't even, it doesn't even come up in that conversation of regret. So Saul didn't even understand what he was doing. Saul had become a religious bounty hunter to put a stop to it. If Saul found anybody who belonged to the way, he was going to bring them to prison in Jerusalem. That's what the Bible tells us. But before Saul knew Jesus, he was so focused on bringing believers to prison that it caused him to miss that his own heart was in prison to sin. He was missing the whole point of it all. He thought he was doing God's work, but in reality, he was missing the whole point. And Saul 3 was tra- um, in verse 3, <clears throat> Saul was traveling towards Damascus, and a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. That's what scripture tells us. And as I was studying in Acts 22, 6, this is another account of Paul's conversion story. This is how he describes that light. Um, in Acts 22, verse 6, it tells us, Um, that this happened at midday when the sun would have shined at his brightest. The sun would have shined at the brightest. But yet Paul said this light was brighter than the sun. Acts 22.6 says this right here. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. And then another account was Acts 26, verse 13. It was before King Agrippa. While on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, shining around me and those traveling with me. And we see Paul's reaction to this when 
excuse me, when the, the light came down and shined around him, he literally fell to the ground and he heard this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But here's the thing, students, we, ha- we can't miss this. When Saul fell to the ground, it wasn't out of respect or reverence because he didn't know the Lord yet, so he didn't understand reverence before the Lord. He didn't understand respect just yet. But it was an act of survival. Because, I mean, imagine a light. We can't stare at the sun without sunglasses. And even if you stare at it with sunglasses on, you're hurting your eyes. Don't do that. Um, it's, not wor- it's not worth it. We can't even stare at the sun with sunglasses or without sunglasses. So for, Paul, for Saul to describe this light being brighter than the sun, that, put, that put gives us the image of how bright this light really was. And then what we see God repeat Saul's name twice. And this is to d- display deep emotion, but not necessarily anger, because we see God um, repeat people's names all throughout Scripture. In Exodus, when he calls Moses, he says, Moses, Moses, but he uses it in such a different tone because he's getting ready to tell Moses about the calling that he's placed on his life. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And we see Saul ask this question, who are you, Lord? And Jesus responds by letting him know that he has been persecuting Jesus with all that he has done. Saul was persecuting God, not man. Don't miss this right here. Jesus so identifies with his people that to persecute the people is persecuting him. Jesus so identifies with his believers, with us, his people, that to persecute us is persecuting Jesus. Jesus takes that personally. Aren't you, man, I'm glad that I have a personal God. I serve, I worship. And when I read God's word, I'm reading, I'm reading from God's word that's personable, that knows me, that loves me, that gave his son to die for me. Man, he takes this persecution personal. Jesus did what nobody else could for his followers. So this attack, when Saul was attacking believers, he was attacking Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, it says this right here. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So anyone who attacks God's people is attacking the one who loved them, died for them, and united them to himself. Man, and then in Matthew chapter 5, it tells us, man, Jesus tells you, man, when you're persecuted for the name of Jesus, rejoice. Rejoice that you're getting persecuted for him. Man, because it's, it's worth it. It's worth it sharing the gospel with people that don't know Jesus. You know, going, going back to what I talked about earlier with people walking by us at campus ministry and people saying, oh, I got something going on tonight. Man, is it worth it to you to dig a little deeper and ask, do you really have something going on? Or, I love, man, coach says this, talks about this all the time. Man, we feel like we say, man, I don't want to get in their way. If they don't know Jesus, you, you could be the separation point between them and hell. Is that not worth it to you? Jesus can save them. Jesus saved Saul. Jesus saved you. Jesus saved so many people in this room. It is worth it getting in the way of people to share Jesus with them. Would you be bold? Would you be confident? Because here's the thing when you share the gospel. You don't have to make it up. Praise God. You don't have to. We're not, we're not going to a war unprepared. We're going to the war with the sword. This is the sword. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces the heart and it changes the heart. When God's word gets in you, you'll start to live it out. When you stand in God's word, you'll stand up for God's word. This, man, this is life-changing stuff right here. So when you get persecuted, I challenge, and it's hard for me, it's easy to say it. It's so easy for us to say it, but it's hard to live it out. I hear that. I relate to that. But man, the next time you get persecuted or somebody talks down about you because you're living for Jesus, I'm telling you, man, there's, there's joy in living for Jesus. Let it change your life tonight. And then verse 7, the men traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the sound, but they could see nobody. And then verse 8, we go on through the passage. When Saul got up from the ground, his eyes were still open, but he could see nothing. This encounter with the Lord left Saul blind, a reflection of his spiritual blindness. The Lord showed him. He made him physically, physically blind, but he was showing him that, man, Saul, you are spiritually blind. You are missing the point. You are missing the mark. So he had to be led by the hand into Damascus. That's what God's word shows us. And then verse 9, he couldn't see for three days, and he didn't eat or drink. And college students, I just want you to, I just, if you're saved or if you're not saved, I want you to think about your life before Christ. 
I really want you to paint that picture in your head. What was your life like before Christ? Because you, you, you might not be out there on Appling Road tearing down Christians, murdering Christians like Saul was, but if you don't have Jesus, you are walking dead in sin. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have the light of life. And Ephesians 2.1 says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But notice it says, and you were dead. And when you give your life to Jesus, you get to experience eternal life. You were given the light of life. But the question is, for my other people in the room that don't know Jesus, are you still dead in your sin? Because man, when you share your testimony, again, like I said earlier, it's not a, we can't focus on, man, this is, how, this is how bad I was before Christ. This is, how, this is how, but you don't focus on the sin, but you focus on the Savior. Because that's what brought the life change. That's what brought the new life in you. And every day you live without Jesus is a day you are missing out on the hope that you can have through Christ Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have hope. Praise the Lord. And I just think about this. Imagine how tired Saul had to have been with all the traveling he did to imprison Christians. Or think about the extent he was willing to go to to complete his earthly agenda. Think about it this way. Chasing the world will leave you tired and unfulfilled, but pursuing Jesus will give you rest and fulfill you. My question to you, college students, is which one do you want? Are you chasing after the world? Because if you are, I guarantee you, you're still looking for it. You're still seeking for something to fulfill you. You're still seeking something to change you. But man, if you give your life to Jesus, that's what, that's what the life change is. That's what fulfills you. That's what gives you hope. That's what gives you breath. Give your life to, I encourage you, get, there's nothing better than giving your life to Jesus. But as we continue, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. And this is what God's word says right here. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And this is Ananias' response. Here I am, Lord, he replied. Verse 11, get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming to him and placing in his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. <clears throat> Here's the Lord's response, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Verse 18. At once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So the first part of Acts 9, we see Saul's life before Christ. And through this part, point number two is this is Saul's life when he comes to know Christ. This should be the meat of your testimony right here. This is the most important part of your testimony. If you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't had this moment when you've given your life to Christ, you don't have a testimony for the Lord yet. And this is where, this is where we see Saul give his life to Christ. And we see, we see God use a man named Ananias. Verse 10, um, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision. And God, what's cool is God spoke to Ananias in a completely different way then he spoke to Saul. We see that as, as we read this, man, when, when he approached Saul, when he appeared to Saul, he, he asked him hard questions of why are you persecuting me? But then when he comes to Ananias, he, he lays out exactly what he's supposed to do. And we see Ananias' great response of, here I am, Lord. Man, if, if God's calling you to something, can I ask you this? Have you responded, here I am? Are your hands open? Is your heart open to what God can do through you? And in Acts 22, verses 12 through 13, it describes Ananias in more detail. 
Acts 22 says this right here. Someone named Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. Now, let's, let's paint this picture. Imagine how Ananias felt right here. Imagine how Ananias felt. God wanted him to talk to the man that arrests believers like him. It's pretty intimidating. God, God coming to him with a request like that. And it wasn't a request, a command like that. Because we see in, in Scripture, the Lord says, go. God tells him to go. College students, is God telling you to go somewhere and you haven't listened? Is God telling you to go share with somebody and you haven't listened? Because when Ananias was faithful, we see Saul give his life to Christ. We see Saul, and then from there, from Acts 9 through the rest of the New Testament, we see what God, do, what God does through Saul and what Saul does for the kingdom. Imagine, you, ne you never know, you never know when you, when you have the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, you never know what God's going to do with them. But it doesn't matter because you're just responsible for being faithful and obedient to that moment, that moment of sharing Jesus with that person. And even when it looks like obedience could result in trouble, God calls us to trust and obey. Because what's crazy is he's usually up to something bigger than we realize anyways. Ananias, a faithful disciple, but also was terrified about what God asked him to do. When he was faithful to share with Saul, the gospel redirected Saul's entire life. Praise the Lord for that. And college students, we're going to, I want you to dig deep tonight. Who is the person in your life that you're terrified to share the gospel with? The person in your life that I may never come across, that Daniel or Delaney may never come across, other college students in this room may never meet this person, but you're with this person on a consistent basis, but you're terrified to share the gospel with it, with that person. Who is it? Because I encourage you, I encourage you to write that name down on a prayer card, in your journal, in your Bible, wherever. I want you to write that name down, and I want you to pray for that person to come to know Jesus. Because, man, God hears your prayers. God hears you praying and crying out for that person. But the question is, like I asked earlier, have you given up on that person? Are you going to let fear of what they say or what they think about you keep you from giving them a chance at life change? Because we see when, when Saul came to know Jesus, he went from a menace and became a missionary. He went from murdering, to, murdering people who followed the way to leading lost people to follow the way. That's what happens when you encounter Jesus. It's life change. And we are just, but here's the thing. We are just like Ananias. There's somebody in each of our lives that we are absolutely terrified to share Jesus with. And we probably even have had the thought that, oh, they'll never accept Jesus into their life. But Acts chapter 9 right here, we can't forget what grace and mercy accomplished in the life of a wicked man named Saul. If you need a reminder of grace and mercy, if you need a reminder of what life change looks like, Acts chapter 9 is your passage. Acts chapter 9 shows an immediate and a radical life change of a man who murdered people who followed Jesus. Share Jesus with that person. And in verse 11, we see Ananias was told to go to a street called Straight to meet Saul. And in verse 12, um, the Lord had told him Saul had a vision as well. And Saul, he witnessed Ananias in this vision to place his hands on him so that he could regain his sight. And we see how Ananias responds after what God asked of him. He tells God the many things he has heard about this man as if God didn't know what Saul had been doing already. The Lord wouldn't let that stop Ananias going to Saul. And the Lord's not going to let fear stop you from going to the person that you should share Jesus with. God won't allow you being afraid, keep you from doing what he has asked of you. Take it a step further. God doesn't choose us to serve him because he needs our qualifications, but he chooses us to serve him so that we can reflect his glory to the world. Reflect God's glory to the world. That's what we're responsible for as believers. And as I think through this, as I think through Ananias, like I said, we're just like Ananias. This makes me think of a, a man in the Bible, and his name is Moses. Many of, us know, many of us know about Moses. Many of us know about the calling that God placed on his life in Exodus. 
And in Exodus, God tells Moses that he'll use him to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Another tremendous calling, another huge calling. But man, when you trust a huge God in a huge calling, he'll be faithful to see it through. Trust the big God that you serve with the calling that he's given in your life. And I guarantee you, you'll see it through. But you got to walk. You got to walk with the Lord. You got to stay close to Jesus because he knows. He knows where you're at. He knows what Saul had done. He knew where Ananias was at. He knows where Moses was at. And guess how Moses responded to God? Just like, just like Ananias did with hesitation. And again, we're just like Ananias and Moses. And all through Exodus 4, we see Moses question God and give reason why he's not the person for the job. Literally through 13 verses of Exodus chapter 4, I'm about to read them. Moses gave three excuses or three reasons why he didn't think he could do what God's asked of him. Exodus 4.1 says this, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? And will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then we go to Exodus 4.10. But Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. And we know how, we know how God responds to that. He uses Moses' brother Aaron as the mouthpiece. But th- that's not good enough for Moses. Moses has another excuse or another, another. He's trying to get his way out of this. Exodus 4.13 says this. Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. Please, Lord. Send. He was begging God. He was pleading with God. God, I'm not the man for the job. But here's the thing, college students. Our excuses don't excuse us from what God has commanded us to do. Your excuses are not good enough for God. Because again, God, man, if God gives you a calling, the God we serve isn't going to call you to something and then not provide for you in that calling. Because we see in the rest of Exodus, guess what happened? <laughs> Moses led the Israelites out of slavery because he listened to the Lord. Praise God. And God provided them a way through the Red Sea. It provide, and God will provide you a way in whatever he's called you to do. But the question is, are you going to listen? Are you going to obey? Are you going to listen to what God has asked of you, what he's commanded of you? And this is what I wrote in my notes right here. When we obey what God has commanded us to do, this is how cool the Lord is. This is how sweet the Lord is. He will give us the opportunity to see what he told us he was going to do. Because just like in Exodus, when Moses was obedient to lead, to go into Pharaoh, going before Pharaoh, and then we see the 10 plagues come about, the Israelites are released. They go through the Red Sea and they go, they go, they end up in the promised land. It took a long time to, the, to get to the promised land because of sin and things like that. But that's another, that's another topic. That's another, that's another sermon for another day. But they saw the promised land. And Moses had the opportunity to see what God told him he was going to do. And God calls Saul his chosen instrument. I love that. Saul was his chosen instrument to take the, names of Je- take the name of Jesus to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. And look at this, Galatians 1, 15 through 16, God's word says this. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Saul went from causing the suffering for Christians to experiencing the suffering. But look, this is, how we, this, is, this is how he writes about suffering in Acts 20. Verses 22 through 24 say this. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are awaiting for me. Look at verse 24. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. His purpose. When Saul met Jesus, Saul found his purpose. You're not going to find your purpose chasing the world. You're only going to find your purpose if you know Jesus because God gives each of us a God-given purpose. And then in verse 17, Ananias entered the house and placed his hands on Saul. I love this. So that he could regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't miss the action of Ananias laying his hands on Saul. He laid his hands on Saul and called him Brother Saul. This encounter right here, this powerfully communicated the love of God. Just imagine Saul in this moment. He had been living for the world, been living in sin. 
came in contact with the Lord on the road to Damascus and then had a vision. He saw Ananias coming and then he felt the hands on his shoulders. Brother Saul. Think how encouraging that is. I know for me, Daniel coached me in basketball and now he's coaching me in how to preach and how to do ministry and things like that. Every time he encourages me, he pats me on the shoulder. And it's such a little thing, but man, it's so encouraging because he's communicating his love and the encouragement that he has for me through that sho- through the tap on the shoulder. And that's what we see Ananias do right here. Put his hands on Saul's shoulders or on Saul and say, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is when Saul was born again because he received the Holy Spirit and he was healed from his blindness, which was spiritual as much as physical. And when this happened, it described that something like scales fell from his eyes. And after he was baptized and took some food to regain his strength. So college students, remember, do you remember the time that you gave your life to the Lord? When was that moment? Because this was Saul's moment right here in verse 17. Verse 17, that moment that he came to know the Lord because he received the Holy Spirit. God saved him in this moment, and he used Ananias as, as an instrument for that. Do you remember the moment you gave your life to Christ? Because I do. I, remember, I, was at, I was at a cafeteria table at Beach Week, our high school summer camp here. I was at a cafeteria table sitting across J.P. Funk. It was a Tuesday night, June 2017, and I gave my life to Jesus. I remember repenting of my sins, believing in Jesus and saying, God, I'm done living for the world. I'm done chasing the world. I want to chase you. I want life change. And some of you in this room tonight are walking around with scales over your eyes and you're missing so much because you're blinded by the world. You're lost chasing the world. And I think about it like this. When you look at the world through the lens of scripture, it's like having 20-20 vision. It's like having 20-20 vision when you look, through, look through, at the world through the lens of Scripture. Because I know for me, I'm blind as a bat. If I take these glasses off, I couldn't read the notes that I have right here in front of me. So I need, I need my glasses. I need, they help me see. They help me see things clearly. Optometrists, praise God. I love those doctors are important. They help you see things. This right here helps you see things like you have 20-20 vision. Like I said the last time I, when I preached about evangelism, don't let the world shape your view about scripture, let scripture shape your view about the world. This has to be your viewpoint. This has to be what you refer to when you have questions. Because here's the thing about it, college students. I hear college students all the time say, man, the Bible doesn't apply to me today. False, 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 false. The Bible still applies to us today and it can answer every single question that you have about the world. It's in here because God's that good. God's that good. When he, when, he was, when he was creating the world, he looked at his creation and said, it was good. It is good. It is good. God's creation, it was good. But sin has messed it up. And to, to, to redirect us back to God's design, we need God's plan. And you get God's plan through the Bible. <clears throat> and again, I encourage you with this right here. Don't let something that is so temporary in the world keep you from knowing your eternal creator. The world is temporary. Your creator is eternal. And right here, I'm, I'm going to finish up reading our passage right here. I'm going to read verse 19 again, and I'm going to go through verse 22, and I'm going to give us our last point. And it's this right here. I'm going to start verse 19. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some time. I love, this is, I love verse 20. If you, if you have a pen, if you, um, circle immediately in verse 20. Because the Bible says immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. He is the son of God. Praise the Lord. Immediately. Man, Saul, when he came to know Jesus, there was an immediate change in his life. But Saul grew stronger. I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. Verse 21. I'm sorry. Getting excited. All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on his name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Excuse me. Got tongue twisted. Messiah. So point number one was we saw Saul's life before Christ. Point number two, we saw Saul's, we witnessed Saul's life when he came to know Christ. Point number three, this is Saul's life after Christ. 
Verse 20, after he regained his sight and strength, he immediately started sharing the gospel with people. Praise the Lord. When I, when I see people come to know Jesus, I tell them, go tell somebody about it immediately because people need to know about the decision that you've made. Man, when you come in contact with Jesus, you got to tell somebody about it because when you tell somebody about it, guess what you're doing? You're giving them a chance to come in contact with Jesus so they can experience the same life change. Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit and became a vocal witness for Jesus. College students, are you vocal about your faith? Do you share Jesus with people? Because here's my, I think I said it earlier. It's one thing to talk about Jesus, but it's a whole nother thing when you walk, walk with Jesus. It's, you can talk about it all day, but if you're not showing it, you're missing it. You can talk about, you can talk about something, you know, and people will be like, yeah, I understand that a little bit. I understand that. But when you're walking it out, when you're walking with Jesus, when people see you living for Jesus, they're going to ask you questions. Here's the thing. Your life is an example to the lost world. I'm talking to the believers right now. How you live your life matters. Hear me say that. How you live your life matters. Because if you're living for the world, the lost world's gonna know no different. And how can they know differently if they see the ones who proclaim Jesus live the same way as they do? I, I didn't see my buddies from high school, from my football team, from, man, y'all know I used to work at Texas Roadhouse, talk about it all the time. I didn't see their lives change until I got myself away from it and put myself in godly community. Because when they saw me live for Jesus, that's when they started to ask questions. Eco, you different, man. What happened? Why don't you smoke weed anymore, man? Why aren't you kicking, up, kicking it with us at the apartment anymore? Because I told, I don't want that anymore. My Christians in the room, are you still holding on to the sin that is tearing you away from your relationship with Jesus? And for my people in the room that don't know Jesus, what, what, it's not good enough. It's not. It's so temporary. The money you make on this world is temporary. The clothes that you wear on your back is temporary. The car that you drive is temporary. We got car issues all the time. It doesn't matter. Jesus is eternal. Guess what? When you pass away, my, my Honda Accord is not going to be in the garage with me. It's not going to be in judgment day with me. It's going to be me and God one-on-one. -on -one. So for my lost people in the world, let me bring it back down. Would you give it up and come to know Jesus? Because I'm telling you, it's passing away. Our cars have problems all the time. Here's a, let me go back to college. College is passing away. I graduated from Memphis back in December, and it went by just like that, a snap of the finger. I was at Southwest, and then I transferred to Memphis. Next thing you know, my family was in FedEx form cheering me on as I walked across the stage. Don't miss it while you're in college. You're sitting next to people that don't know Jesus every single day. Would you give them a chance to come to know Jesus? And I challenge you, Daniel, our pastor, he gives our leaders this challenge every day. And it's not too late to do this. If you haven't shared your testimony, if you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't shared your testimony with somebody in class, would you do it tomorrow? Would you do it tomorrow? Man, hey, can I share, can I share my story with you? What's your story, man? Man, this was my life before Christ, but I came to know Christ at this moment. This is how my life has been radically different. Because guess what your testimony does? It gives you a wide open door to share Jesus with that person. And you could be a part of their testimony. How sweet is that? Just because you were bold enough to say, hey, man, can I share? Hey, girl, can I? I think that's how girl. Hey, girl. Is that what the girls say to each other? Hey, girl, can I, can I, share, my, can I share my story with you? I send out a lot of text messages. I try, I try to go, hey, girl. I, know. I can't. I've had, I've had some encounters with guests, man. What's up, my guy? Oh, I'm a girl. My, my bad, girly. My bad. I encourage you, share your testimony with somebody. If we walk around bragging about being filled with Jesus, but we don't bear testimony to Jesus Christ, we are a walking contradiction. Don't walk around bragging being filled. Don't walk around bragging about the Spirit, but walk around showing the Spirit. Walk around showing that you live in the Spirit, that you walk by the Spirit. You don't walk by flesh, you walk by the Spirit. And in Jesus' day, everyone knew what this title meant when he was called the Son of God. To be called the Son of something meant you were totally identified with that thing or person, and their identity was your identity. 
So when Jesus called himself the son of God and when others called him that, it was understood as a clear claim to his deity. Don't miss that. The son of God, the one of the, you, hear, you see son of David, you see son of God. There's importance to both of those. Son of God was a claim to his deity because he, he is the son of God. Praise the Lord. Verse 21, people were astounded when they heard and witnessed Saul sharing Jesus. Um, Saul went from a persecutor of Jesus to a proclaimer of Jesus. Of Jesus. Praise God. They were, they were astounded by his life change. College students, are, co- are other college students, are other people in your life astounded by how you live your life? Or do they say, oh man, he lives the, she lives the same way as me. He lives the same way as me. Are you different? Galatians 1.22, they simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Saul's life change was so radical that it caused others to glorify the Lord. Is that how your life changes? Does it cause others? Does it push others to the Lord? And that is because they knew his life change could only come from one person, and that is Jesus. And then we see years later, Saul writes this verse right here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, anyone is in Christ. Christ is for everybody. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Paul began to live out this verse long before he, he wrote it. Here's my question, college students. Do people notice that difference in your life? Do people notice that difference in your life? And the thing you got to remember about Saul was he was a Pharisee. And Philippians 3, 5 says this right here. This is how Paul describes himself. He was circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews regarding the law of Pharisee. So when they, when they saw his life change, they were confused. And going back, it, my, my scripture says it uses this word confounding. And I looked it up. I, mean, I didn't know what it meant either. Confounding means to cause surprise or confusion in someone, especially by acting against their expectations. So when the other religious leaders saw, witnessed Saul's testimony, his life change, they were confused because they, they knew the Saul beforehand. They knew the Saul that was bringing believers, the people that followed the way to prison. But when they heard him proclaiming the way, proclaiming Jesus, it confused them. But the thing about it is, I've been saying it all night, his encounter with Jesus made the scriptures come together for him. It made sense. Because here's the thing about the Pharisees. They had all the head knowledge, but they missed the heart knowledge. And when scripture drops from your brain to your heart, that's when you experience life change. Has your heart had an encounter with Jesus? 